Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Sopranos Podcast. I am your host, Chris D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. And uh, the three of us are very excited to bring you The Sopranos Podcast. We are interested in delivering to you a uh, philosophical and kind of subtextual deep dive into what I feel to be the greatest scripted drama ever put, certainly on television, but possibly uh, that I've seen in my lifetime. Certainly uh, the deepest shit out there since my boy William Shakespeare was writing all his great stuff back in the day. <laughs> what do you guys think of The Sopranos? Give me your kind of, uh, why are you here? What are we doing here? What is this? What is this podcast? Well, I agree with you, Chris. I think The Sopranos is the, I think it's the greatest television drama of all time. Uh, you're taking one step forward and saying maybe it's the greatest narrative drama of all time. I'll say this. I think it contends. I don't think it's ridiculous to mention uh, David Chase in the same sentence as you would mention William Shakespeare. I think uh, we certainly have a reverence for Shakespeare built up over time. But, you know, great writers uh, come from, uh, you know, earning a, a certain viewership that goes back and revisits their work time and again, applying uh, their own thoughts and feelings about how they feel about a show or even a play over time and, and seeing if it's still relevant to their lives after after any given period of time. I think that's what we're doing with The Sopranos show right now. We're saying, hey, this thing is over. Uh, it has still deeply impacted us. We're still deeply affected by it. It's maybe perhaps even more moving now than it was when we were watching it live. And I, I think that's the testament to what a great work it is. So I, I don't think mentioning it in the same breath as Shakespeare is... Ridiculous. I think it's appropriate. I think we're all here because we appreciate, as you said, the the philosophy and the impact that the show has had. So I would agree. Greatest television drama of all time. Absolutely. No question. I think that The Sopranos is unique among drama on TV. It was when it started and it is now. I think that's the most important factor for me. Uh, I, I mean, it's up there for sure. There's a list that I might compose along with The Sopranos that we might come to at some point. It would be interesting to discuss shows like The Wire, shows like Deadwood, shows like Six Feet sure. Under. Mad Men. Mad Men, for sure. Um, and shows that it's uh, influenced, um, not necessarily in the same category, but the uh, protagonist of a show like Mr. Robot um, and what he takes from Tony Soprano, as well as Walter White in Breaking Bad as an obvious choice. Mentioning it in the same sentence with Shakespeare. I might mention it in the same uh, sentence with, uh, say, Samuel Beckett and the the quality of the theater of the absurd that it brings in all these existential questions. Um, and it'll be super fun to talk about it with you two fine gentlemen. Um, also, another factor in the show that I keep coming back to, um, and Chris and I have discussed this before, and Jordan, I'd love to hear what you think on it. Something about The Sopranos is so compelling in that we can do, say, a deep dive on it and discuss it with all of these questions about philosophy or existentialism or the human condition involved, it's also a show with very clear and simple stakes a lot of the time in which gangsters are... Gangsters, in spite of their the theatricality and the gaga that they put over what they do, are common thieves. And what they do is they say they represent a community and they rob and bleed the community. And the tension that comes out of that is very simple for people to understand. You talk to people about The Sopranos, and oftentimes it's about who got whacked last week and who's in danger this week. Um, so I think that's a quality that keeps the show running and mm. keeps the show interesting Absolutely. all this time later. It, it works on so many levels as like popcorn entertainment, as rich, you know, it really runs the gamut from like, Action to, uh, you know, 
really subtle psychodrama uh, to really like, I think it like is comparable to literature in many ways as well. It's, it's there's symbol and metaphor and, and all of these great things that uh, us three as storytellers, and we'll get into who we are in a second here, but uh, all agree uh, are present in this thing. It's really special. There's nothing else like it since, and there certainly was nothing like it beforehand. Many have tried. Some come close. Like, we, we mentioned a lot of the great stuff that's been on TV in the last, you know, 20 years since The Sopranos hit the airwaves, uh, and many kind of model themselves after it, the kind of morally ambiguous protagonists, and, um, but uh, there's just something still to this day about The Sopranos that is both shockingly relevant and irreplicable. There's also something, and I, I know we'll talk about more more about this as as we discuss other episodes and what happens even in the first episode. But there's also a there's a sort of apocalyptic sense to The Sopranos, and I guess I don't mean literal apocalypse. The world is not ending in The Sopranos, but there is this sense of uh uh you know that 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 something is is gone or something is ending. Uh, there is this kind of doomed sense to the whole show to. Uh, all of its characters, a lot of its themes are more relevant to uh, things ending. And that's apparent even from the first season. So uh, there, there's a certain heightened level of interest there because it's like, oh, this is the last of whatever this is. And I don't mm. just I don't just mean mob life. I also mean the big stuff that a lot of people associate with the show about uh, American culture to a degree, about the 20th century, about a lot of those things. Yeah, this is this is an extremely American story. It might be the American story, and and we'll get into that as we kind of pick apart the nuts and bolts, particularly of this uh, of the first episode. But um, I guess I just kind of want to get a sense right now of where everyone's at here. First of all, just if you don't mind, I think the the listeners should know who we are, and if you can, when you introduce yourself, um, just what was your first exposure to or, and first kind of reaction to the sopranos when you first saw it did you watch it live or did you catch up how old were you do you remember you know as many details as you can recall about your first impressions of the sopranos and how that evolved into the three of us being you know super fans of of what is of, of what it has become if i may chris um i think this podcast originated with you and much of my current appreciation for the show comes from you. Would you like to start us off? Sure. So I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm a, I'm an Italian-American actor. Uh, I live in North Jersey in the heart of Soprano land. I can't go 10 minutes out of my house without hitting a major landmark. The Bing is 10 miles south, to, uh, 10 minutes south. Tony's house is a couple minutes uh, to the west. It's it's really crazy uh, that I, you know, so I, I, I take his drive home that we see in the opening credits uh, <laughs> uh, on a regular basis. Um, and uh, for me, I first saw The Sopranos, I think it was in the middle of its second season, my, uh, I was a big, I'm, I've always been into like the gangster genre. My, my father showed me the Godfather, I think when I turned 12 and, uh, my older brother showed me stuff like Casino and Goodfellas and all the, the kind of Scorsese stuff. And, um, the Sopranos initially intrigued me, but, um, I was young, I was like a teenager. And while I was interested in the idea of a gangster drama, I think as a kid initially, actually, and this is crazy considering how big of a fan I am of this now, 
I actually wasn't like initially enraptured by it because for me and my stupid as a as a teenager, I was like, ah, it's a little too much focus on the family family, not like the mob family. I really wanted like the like, uh, you know, one hour of Goodfellas every week. Um, but I kind of gave it another shot and actually just sat down and watched it all. Uh, oh, and you know what else? It was, it, it was also the fact that HBO was not really where it is today. And so in my head, it was like, how gritty can this be? It's a TV show, right? And um, so I didn't, I had no clue what it was going to end up being. But I, uh, I, I ended up watching it a couple, I think like by the third season, I was catching up with DVDs and then I started watching it live. The fourth season was probably the first season I watched like in time when it was on the air. And by the fifth season, I was like, you know, on internet forums and doing all this crazy stuff. Uh, and, you know, at this point now, I've probably been through the series double digits amount of times. That's not an exaggeration. I've probably seen the entire thing maybe 15 times. Because <laughs> I get other people into it. I got my wife to watch it. I got my friends to watch it. Um, you know, so yeah. How about how about you, Paul? Uh, yeah, for me, it's similar. I'm an Italian-American from Boston, or Baston, as we say. And um, I'm a director and a storyteller. And around the year 2000, year after The Sopranos premiered, my older brother got me a VHS box set of the first season when literally like three episodes would be on a videotape. Videotape was this thing that you used to spool and rewind and stuff. <laughs> um, and, uh, and at the time, I also, I don't think I had HBO. I don't know why my family would have had it unless you had to like, say, watch the comedy specials when they came out. Um, HBO was not in the place, as you say, it is now. Um, and I was immediately taken with the show. I remember it was interesting. It was fun. It was funny, for sure. Um, I think in terms of the staying power of it, two things stick out in memory. One was any scene with Tony and his mother. Yes. Um, I think because of the writing and certainly the performances and the chemistry that those two actors had. So good. The other was the factor of, I think, Tony as, I guess, the hero, the protagonist of the show. Because around that time in my life, it might seem like a strange thing to say, but 15, 16 years old, which is how old I was at the time, I had just recently seen uh, Milos Forman's movie of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And I think seeing Nicholson portray McMurphy was so stunning to me because I literally did not know that you could have a protagonist who was flawed in that way, who was selfish, who was mean-spirited at times, um, and yet you connected with them. And everything about this guy, Tony Soprano, that was monstrous or dangerous or selfish was very clear, but Gandolfini's performance was and is so human that it carried me through and does to this day. I, I couldn't step away from that show without having that performance in my heart. Um, so for me, that's where it all began. And it um, it's only gotten stronger since then. And when I met, when you and I, Chris and I became friends around 2014, it reanimated a lot of interesting and fun discussions about the show. And then we'd go back and watch and all that stuff. I think we annoy a lot of our friends, Paul, because you and I... Uh, can have entire conversations in Sopranos quotes. And then we are around people who like casually like it, but they're just like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Benson, friend of the show, cannot stand when we do that. Nope. Uh, how about you, Jordan? So uh, we have a very diverse panel. Uh, I'm also an Italian-American, <laughs> at least half. Um, 
And I grew up in Long Island, or on Long Island, as we say, uh, New York. And um, my upbringing was very similar. So I was uh, grown up around the films of Martin Scorsese and those actors that were associated with those projects. So I really couldn't help but to avoid The Sopranos when it <laughs> inevitably came out because my family was already planning to tune in. Um, I was a pretty mature kid growing up, and part of that maturity, I think, was either fostered or possibly possibly caused by the fact that my parents never monitored what I read or watched on TV, <laughs> and we had a full, full cable package growing up, so... Uh, I didn't start, Sopranos came out when I think was in seventh grade or eighth grade, but actually for a couple of years already, and this was in middle school, I was already watching a show called Oz, which had been on HBO since 1997. And believe it or not, even though I was wildly an inappropriate age to be watching that show. Is, is there really an appropriate age to watch that? I mean, it's so dark. And I had already been watching two seasons of Oz prior to the Sopranos coming on and, um, even though Oz is a is a really depraved show, it mm. did awaken something in me when I was growing up that mm. I I would not say is negative. It it kind of questioned what I thought about what people were capable of. Yeah. In many ways, Oz, and it's a weird show to credit for this, kind of prepared me for what I was going to be seeing later, uh, art that was going to challenge me in some way. And look, I was a kid, and when The Sopranos came on, I was in seventh or eighth grade, and you know what? I was watching it with my family, and that was, you know, cool and safe and and probably... Probably also, though, the inappropriate experience to be having. Sopranos is not family viewing, but I guess because Martin Scorsese had already brought the family into our family, it kind of felt like it was home turf already. So I watched almost every episode of The Sopranos with my family or just with my dad. Uh, so it became something that was like we what we did as a family. And then by the time I got to college, it was something that uh, obviously both both you, you, Chris, and Paul were, were both into. And um, Chris, you you had uh, the infamous viewing, the the endless viewing party of The Sopranos going on at college, and it was it allowed me to revisit most of those episodes as well as catch up on a few that I did end up missing as the series went on. Um, mm -hmm. So really, uh, Chris, again to to echo Paul from earlier, you are my touchstone to The Sopranos show. It was something that uh, I had already had high esteem for from my family's appreciation of it, but you you kind of reawakened that in me, and it was something that was really so enjoyable to revisit. But of the three of us, I think I'm more the Sopranos rookie. Uh, I've been through the whole series probably about three times. Um, so I've seen each episode at least three times. Um, but that's actually fairly low in this company. Um, <laughs> Which and is then, funny because most people some episodes, just watched it once. <laughs> right. Uh, some episodes more than others, of course. I just remember, and I know we're not up to this one yet, I remember uh, the episode that hooked me was... It wasn't actually the first couple of episodes that we're about to be discussing. It was actually um, season one, episode five, College, which a lot of people cite as sort of the mountain that they all look to when they say this was the episode. And that, that was true for me, too, because it really encapsulates the whole dichotomy that keeps the show so interesting. He is this heartfelt family man that has all these obligations, but also there's something darker underneath. And it's the kind of thing that uh, Oz gave me the taste for. Well, I mean, that's awesome. Guys, I'm really excited to <clears throat> dig into this with you. We're going to uh, start our next episode, um, just kind of diving in episode by episode. There are a lot of Sopranos podcasts out there that do an episode by episode breakdown wherein they kind of go scene by scene or chronologically through it, break it down, review it. That's not going to be what this is about. This is more of a kind of free-form discussion, touching a lot of, on the philosophical notes, some cool connections and... and um, 
various different uh, just kind of so a philosophical, psychological uh, deep dive into the themes and, and, and larger story. And, it, and, and I think to what a lot of you said, touching on the relevancy of The Sopranos today. Uh, and uh, just another note for listeners, this is going to be a generally spoiler-free experience. So if you want to watch along as we do these uh, episodes, that's going to be fine. We're not going to spoil any major plot points. At most, it's going to be something like, and then this happens, which plays in later, you know, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, guys. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, little, little anecdote. <laughs> I, um, I did want to just tell one last little anecdote before we uh, head off here. Uh, a little story in college. I was taking a, a Shakespeare class with a professor that both of you probably know. All three of us went to college together. Uh, and... Um, uh, we had to do a uh, paper on Richard II, and and she was just like, she was standing at the front of the class with the stack of papers, and was like, "Y'all did a really nice job on this uh, this assignment. I was really impressed with some of the writings. One of you even compared Richard II to Tony Soprano." And every head in the class turned and looked at me. They knew immediately who she was talking about. <laughs> they knew. <laughs> so, uh, they knew. yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have brought the three of you here uh, to this, t- to the two of you, three including me, to this table to discuss this amazing fucking show. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait. Let's get to it. 